Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21. And oh my goodness, you all have been filling up my inbox with so much love and so much reassurance. And you helped me get off the fear train of putting myself out there and talking about something that is so hard and that is parenting. Because there's so much mom shaming out there and I'm always trying to help moms think better thoughts about themselves so they can project that onto their children. And I never want you all to think that I'm telling you what to do. I'm trying to help you unleash the power within, which I always say, to do what feels right in your own heart and your own home. Because no one knows your child and their heart and your heart more than you. So when you know that, then you can unleash that within you And because people tell me all the time, I want to get bracelets that say, what would Kelly do? I want to wear that as a reminder. And remember, there's a hundred right ways to parent a child. So there is no one right way. I'm just trying to take yelling, spanking, name calling, nagging, complaining, short fuses out of your house. So you can see your children as your greatest teacher instead of seeing it as you against them. Because in our era, when we were raised, it was children should be seen. They should not be heard. Do it because I said so. I'm the boss. Bill Cosby used to say, I could take you into this world. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And that doesn't really work anymore. And a lot of times parents will say, well, this is the way that I was raised. So that's why I keep doing it. Even though they had a very negative experience from their childhood. So thank you for sharing this podcast, commenting on the podcast, sending me your emails, trusting me with those of you who I'm working with one-on-one. That means the world to me because this is what I used to do in the schools and I loved it so very much, except I just missed my kids desperately. So I know now that God has blown the doors off my classroom and now this podcast is my classroom. And instead of you coming into my counseling office or into my first grade classroom to talk to you, I'm able to reach so many more people. Laura H. said, you are a gifted speaker. We have a 12, 13, and 15-year-old, and this applies to them as well as younger kids. My aha moment was you suggesting we set them up for success, like putting the lunchbox right in front of your kid. Force the positive until it becomes habit for them which is what you wanted all along, right? Thank you. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Set them up for success because whatever you focus on is only gonna grow. So if you focus on them not listening, always arguing, the back talk, if you focus on that, then they're gonna do more of it. Kids are miraculously like self-fulfilling prophecies. 
whatever you tell them and fill them up with every single day, they become it. It's magical. You have to remember most of our kids, I would say 10 and below, think that in a few weeks, these little elves are going to be flying around and S-A-N-T-A is going to be breaking down our doors and coming into our house and leaving gifts. Or if they lose a tooth, that an F-A-I-R-Y is going to fly into their house and leave money underneath their pillow. And I'm spelling all of this in case there are ears around. But you have to remember how little and immature their brains are. But I always ask parents, what's the best thing about the holidays? And they say the children. They bring the joy out in the holidays, all the holidays. We just had Halloween. Uh, It would be a little weird if Dave and I were just dressing up and going trick-or-treating from door to door. We get to do that because we have kids and we get to do it with them and watch life through their wonderment of their eyes and how excited they are and how happy they are. The same thing that we love about children, the joy and the happiness and the magic that they bring to a house and to a life, that is the same thing that gets them in trouble because we expect them to be emotionally stable and able to control their emotions, even though they think that an F-A-I-R-Y flies underneath their pillow and leaves money. So the same thing that we love also gets them in trouble. So they are super confused. And then they're like, well, listen, Chicky, I don't know what to do with these emotions. So I'm going to look to you to see what you do when you have these emotions. And then I'm going to do what you do. And then they do that. And guess what? They get in major double trouble. And they are so confused. They're like, well, I don't know what to do with this negative vibration going through my body. So I look to see what you do under stress. And what do you do? I'm going to do that. And that's what gets them in trouble. So instead of asking our kids to be more like us, I think we have to remember that we need to be more like them and see life and all the magic and remember how little and immature and undeveloped their brains are. And that's a good thing because it reminds us of us when we were little because the little boy and the little girl is still living inside of you. I think sometimes we forget that once we hit 18, all of a sudden a new person emerges. The little girl and the little boy is still living inside of all of us. And that's what kids tap into every single day. And Christine Hassler is a podcast that I follow, and she explained the childhood progression so well. What happens is when we were born, we were connected to something already before we were born, long before our parents. And that could be anything that you want to plug in the word. It could be God. It could be the Holy Spirit. It could be the universe. It could be source. It could be your creator. Whatever you believe, you were connected to something much greater and much bigger. And I'm writing in the journal, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And it's such a great journal. And he says in there, long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. It is not fate, nor chance, nor luck, no coincidence that you are breathing at this very moment. You are alive because God wanted to create you. We have to remember that we were born and thought of long before our parents. I always say you have a one in 400 trillion chance of being on this planet. 
You are a pure miracle, just like your children are miracles. What happens is when you come through the womb and you are attached to your mother's umbilical cord, you have to remember that that umbilical cord was connected to God, heaven, source, the creator, the stork, whatever you believe. I'm just going to use God to keep it all on the same page so I don't keep saying the different words, but plug in whatever word you want. God seems to be the most universal. So your umbilical cord was attached to God before you were attached to your mother and in her womb. And so your throbbing spirit knows that, feels that, felt that, and was that. And then you come through into this world through your parents, not from your parents, through your parents as a vehicle to live this one precious life. And then your spirit starts to think that your parents are that same source. All of a sudden, what your throbbing spirit knows was connected to God now is connected to your parents. And now your parents, you give them these God-like qualities. And Christine Hassler explains it so well because we put all that pressure and expectations and believability on our parents. So now they are our source. They are our God. So whatever they think about themselves, they think about us. The problem with that is that our parents, your parents, are human, having the human experience. And life is messy and life can be painful. So they carry on that pain and pass it on to us. But we take it as truth as a child. Whatever our parents believe about us is what we believe about ourselves. But then we learn a lot about conditional love. We learn that our parents aren't perfect. And that's okay. Because we can kind of detach from that. We can see ourselves as coming through our parents, not from our parents. Because that umbilical cord was attached to God first. Then came the parents. The problem is that we are not born into the beaver cleaver families. Our parents are human and have had 20, 30, 40 years of human experience before we even came into the world. And so we get all of their baggage because they've had the human experience. So there might have been addiction in your family. There might have been an affair. They might have been emotionally distant or disconnected or neglectful or wanting you to be perfect and get straight A's. They put pressure on you to be the all-star in the sports, in the grades, in the instrument. There might have been alcoholism. You might not have been seen or heard. There could have been depression in your family, in your parents. And your job was to make them happy. One of them, or both of them, could have been a workaholic. There could have been a death in your family. You might have felt abandoned or they were hypercritical. You just didn't feel seen safe, worthy, and like you really mattered. What happens is we take that upon us ourselves as our own baggage to carry. And I love this quote by Fun Therapy. It says, pain will travel through families until someone is brave enough to feel it. That means we just repeat the same old, same old, because that was the 
recipe that was given to us. But what if you challenged it all and you saw yourself as your umbilical cord connected to God and not to your parents? And you saw your parents as human beings trying their very best, doing their very best, and they had their egos. They didn't know about conscious parenting. They had fear. They had loss. They had overwhelm. They had a lot of stress. They were sleepless. What if we just assume they did the very best job they could? And then we can see ourselves as connected to God, and they were just a vehicle to bring us into this world. Because Tony Robbins asks at his events, he always says, whose love did you crave more, your mom or your dad? And when that question is asked, of course you crave both of them. But there's usually one that you craved a little bit more. When that question is asked, who's the first person that pops into your brain? A lot of times it's the opposite gender parent. So the daughters crave their father's love and the men crave their mom's love. Not always, but who popped in your head first? So whose love did you crave the most? Because when we're a child, we think that the love of our parents is going to be godlike. So we make them, we put them on pedestals. And so what mask did you need to wear to get that person's love? Did you have to be perfect? Did you have to be good at sports? Did you have to be independent? Did you have to be quiet? Did you have to be extra funny? Did you have to be really organized? Because a lot of times the love you grew up in was very conditional based on what mask you were wearing. And we all know that love is always unconditional. So you learn that you had to wear a certain mask to get that love, to get that oxygen of the love that you craved. The only problem with that is that you grow up and you bring that same responsibility into your most vulnerable relationships. You try to be the fixer. You try to be the one that heals your mother or father's depression. You try to be the one to put the drink down. The brain doesn't know what to do with all that bottled up pain and all those masks. And so it recreates it into our adult relationships. If you grew up with a lot of yelling, you'll either become the yeller or do the yelling and then kick yourself and wonder why. It's because you were conditioned to know and to feel and to do all these things. And that's the way you got what you wanted. It's usually with our kids and our spouse because that's the most vulnerable relationship. And if there was a lot of pain growing up, then you recreate that pain to try to heal old wounds in current time. And that's why I love working with people one-on-one because we can really dive deep into understanding the patterns, but not live there, not beat your parents up because of it. Just seeing them as a human with all their humanness and all their flaws and all their imperfections. And that's okay because I've never met anyone who has the Brady Bunch, leave it to Beaver, what we thought was the Cosby family growing up. But society tells us that it should be a certain way. And family is everything at all costs, even if the family is unhealthy and yelling and screaming or there's drug addiction or there's abuse or there's alcoholism. We have to remember 
that we came from an umbilical cord, not from our parents, but from God. And then we see ourselves as that. Because if there was a lot of pain and dysfunction from the childhood, then we'll recreate that with our relationship with our spouse and our relationship with our kids. Because the brain is always trying to make sense of all of it. I was listening to a talk by Dr. Gabor Matei, and he was talking about how he had abandonment issues from when he was a child. He grew up in the Holocaust era, and so he had a lot of abandonment issues from his family because they had to keep him in a safe spot. So sometimes they had to be apart from each other. And he's 73 years old, and he talks about an experience when he was 71. He just got done doing an amazing talk about consciousness and unhealed pain, and childhood trauma, and he's feeling really good about himself. And he gets off the plane, and his wife texts him and says, do you still need a ride from the airport? Because she was doing her painting, and she got super distracted. So she was just asking a simple question. Do you still need to be picked up? And in that moment, he's 71 years old. Very, very, very grown up long, long past his childhood, and immediately those abandonment circuits get triggered. And he just writes back a terse, forget it. Because a lot of times when we're triggered, it has nothing to do with our child or our spouse. It has to do with old circuits that were running. And he gets home and she says, how was your trip? Not thinking anything's wrong. And he doesn't even want to talk to her. So we have to realize that the inner child is still lying and living within all of us. And when we can heal that inner child separate from our child and our spouse, that is where true healing begins. Because if there's a lot of yelling and screaming at your kids, even though you love them so much, 99.999% of the time, it has nothing to do with them or what they said or what they did or what they didn't do. It is tapping into the circuits of the old pain. And so when you're yelling at your child, you're really yelling at the mom who wasn't there or the dad who wasn't there. I talk about my triggers all the time. So much of my insecurities from parenting came from not being able to be a parent. Six years of trying and waiting and praying and wishing and in vitro and and miscarriages. And during that time, all these feelings of insecure, of floss, of fear, of lack, of overwhelm, of stress, of sleepless nights, of what if it doesn't happen? What if it's not meant to be? What if I'm not good enough? Would all come up when someone would say something about my parenting, or Lily would cry at Target, or Grady would hit his sister. All of a sudden, all that floss came up in that nanosecond but I didn't even know it was even laying dormant there until I really started to see, what is this bringing up for me? Whenever I'm heavily triggered, instead of giving into the trigger and acting out the trigger, I get super curious. Why is this creating such a vibration through my body? What is coming up for me? So a lot of my old pain from infertility years was being played out when Lily and Grady were just being Lily and Grady. And I was trying to heal that old wound in current time. And I didn't even recognize myself. 
and some of my old pain was trying to be just like my mom and dad because I had put them on such a pedestal. I had pretended they were God. I had thought they were God my whole life. And then when I became a parent, I wanted to do it just like them because I thought their way was the only way. I just forgot the fact that I have two separate throbbing spirits that have nothing to do with me or with my sisters or being born in the 70s and 80s. Completely different experiences. So every time I wanted to be the perfect mom and it wasn't perfect, that's where I would get triggered. But I never worried about being a perfect teacher or a perfect counselor because I had no baggage there. It was so clean when I was a teacher and it was so clean when I was a counselor. So over the years, your umbilical cord gets frayed. It gets holes in it. It gets little leaks. And that's part of the human experience. But we can't use our children as pawns to heal our old wound in current time or our spouse. Every time David would say something, I'm a, I would immediately go to, I'm not good enough in my head. And then I'd react. I'd get defensive. Why can't you ever help focus on what I'm doing right? Why do you always focus on what I'm doing wrong? Because that triggered an inner lack within me because I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be the perfect wife and always be pleasing. And if he was in a bad mood or the kids were in a bad mood, then somehow my ego said it was my fault. It was such a self-centered way of living. But when I detached from all of that, I dealt with my holes, H-O-L-E-S, in my umbilical cord, in my old pain, in my old perfectionism. When I dealt with that on my own and I came to the relationship as a whole W-H-O-L-E person, which Shafali always talks about, then we could coexist as two W-H-O-L-E people instead of expecting David and the kids to fill all my holes. So a lot of times we expect our spouse and our kids to fill all the H-O-L-E-S. That is not their job. Their only job in this world is to be there for you to show unconditional love. They don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be coached. They don't need to be nagged. They don't need to be complained about. They don't need anything in us other than for us to show them unconditional love. So when we come to the relationship as a W-H-O-L-E person, then allows them to come to the relationship as a W-H-O-L-E person. Because your only job is to grow yourself, not use the kids to fill those holes. And look at me, look at my kid, look at the instruments they're playing, look at their grades, look, they're going to Ivy League, look at their manners, look at their goals, look at their hits, look at their runs. They're not your puppet. They're not our puppet. I remember when Lily was born, I had, when people were coming over to meet her, I wanted to make sure she had a full belly. The air conditioning was perfect. She didn't cry. She didn't fuss because then they would think that I was a bad mom if she fussed or cried. She was a baby, a newborn baby. And I expected if they saw something within her, they would see within me the lack that was just screaming out. I remember she cried at church during her baptism when the water was on her head. And I was so embarrassed. What is this whole congregation thinking about me as a parent? Because I expected, and I had an agenda, and I had a manual for how they were supposed to behave, even when they were a baby. Isn't that crazy? 
And so a lot of my old pain was trying to be just like my parents. And some of your old pain might be that you see yourself coming out as your parents and that scares you because it wasn't ideal. You didn't feel seen. You didn't feel heard. You didn't feel worthy. You didn't feel like you mattered. And so you're so afraid of being found out. And then your children do stuff to trigger that old baggage and that old pain. And that's where the reactivity comes from. It does not come from what they're doing because everything they're doing is completely neutral until you have a thought about it. And once you have that thought, there's always a space between your action and your reaction. That is where the true growth happens. When we take a pause, because there's so much power in that pause between their action and your reaction. The power in the pause is where the learning comes from. Instead of just giving in to every single trigger, every single trigger, every single trigger, and doing the same old, same old, investigate what this brings up for you. What old pain are you trying to heal in current time through your kids, through your spouse, through your personal relationships? Because when you really think about it, your value and your worthiness does not come from anything external. It doesn't come from your parents. It doesn't come from your spouse. It doesn't come from your kids. It doesn't come from your income. It doesn't come from your weight. It doesn't come from your social circle. It is already there from the day that you were born. So there's no dimmer switch on, off, on, off, up, down, lower, higher. And they did this exercise in the life coach school when I was becoming certified. And they said, when does that value and worthiness start to go down? Do you ever look at a baby in the hospital and say, hmm, not very valuable, not very worthy. No way. You see a baby in the hospital and you, all you see is love and God's love and that unconditional love. And you see the umbilical cord coming from heaven because that's what people say all the time. It's a gift from heaven. She's a gift. He's a gift. What an angel. God is good. That's all you ever hear when you see a baby in the hospital. If you put it on Facebook, that's the first thing people, that's a hundred comments. That's what they all say along those lines. So what happens? Does all of a sudden a dimmer switch come when you're one or when you're two or a three? The value and worthiness is still there. You don't see a two-year-old and think, hmm, that value and worthiness, that angelicness is completely gone. I get so upset when I hear terrible twos and three natos and four natos or three nager. That's what they say. They say three nager, four natos. There's so many labels put on children. And there's still that beautiful gift from God, just like you are. So it never goes away. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say takes that value and the worthiness away. And when you know that, when you see yourself as a miracle and you see yourself as connected to God and not to your parents' opinion about yourselves, then life gets really fun because then you see yourself as that and then you see your children as that. You see yourself as a W-H-O-L-E person coming into the relationship as a W-H-O-L-E person. And your children are always already full and already whole. And they're just looking to you for unconditional love. So how can we show that? By showing them what to do during the awesome times, during the messy times, during the stressful times. Because that's part of the human experience. So that's why I always say our children teach us where we need to grow. I remember I was listening to The Conscious Parent on audio and she said, one book in the line, and I almost dropped, I was doing Body Beast, and I almost dropped the weights on my head. She said, your children come to you with their very own throbbing spirit, 
and they're here to teach you where you need to grow. And I literally almost got a black eye from the weights dropping on my head. Because it was like in that moment, the lightning bolt was she taught me detachment. She taught me how to separate myself from my children as seeing myself as a W-H-O-L-E person and then seeing my children as a W-H-O-L-E person. Not for me to use them as pawns to heal my old wound and my own baggage. Not seeing them as a pawn to heal my old baggage, my old pain, my old insecurities, my old flaws, fear, lack, overwhelm, stress, and sleeplessness. But to see them as their own hack, happiness, abundance, confidence, and kindness, and see them as their own miracle, separate from me, that they came from God, the umbilical cord was attached to God before it was attached to mine. And so they can do all the things and it's all on them and they cannot do all the things and it's all on them because I'm robbing them of their experience here on this earth if I am always focused on the grades, the behavior, the manners, the instrument, the goals, the hits, the runs, whatever it is, if I'm always focused on the external, then I'm going to teach them to focus on the external. And they are not here to fill in my H-O-L-E-S. That is for me to fill in on my own. And don't to know that being a B-minus parent, I don't have to be perfect, allows them to not be perfect as well. Because it's not always about the A, it's about the connection. And when you have the connection, you're going to have cooperation. So I go for a B-minus parent role, and I always shoot for the A connection. Connection wins over it all the time. So my goal every day is to connect on the A level spending time with them, listening to them, saying yes to them. Because we always say our kids don't listen, our kids don't listen, our kids don't listen. But how much are we listening to them? When they ask us to come into their world, when they ask us to play Legos, or they ask us to read a book, or they ask us to let them know that they are seen, that they are worthy, and that they matter. They ask us a hundred times a day. And a lot of times we say, not now, maybe later, I'm too busy, I don't have any time, go play in the electronics. So we're robbing ourselves of all the joy and we're robbing them too of that connection because the way that we treat them now is how they're going to be expecting to be treated when they get in adult relationships. So if you say to them, I'm yelling at you because of something you did or didn't do, when they get into their adult relationships and they're being yelled at, by their spouse or their boyfriend or their girlfriend. And the boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse says, I'm yelling at you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do or you did do something I didn't want you to do. Then they'll say in their brain, you know what? That's true. Or if we spank them because they didn't do what we wanted them to do. And then they grow up and their boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse hits them or pushes them over and said, I'm only doing that because you made me. I'm only doing it because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Their unconscious brain will say, that's probably true. But if we make it so unfamiliar and so unusual and so not familiar that that when it happens, if it does, God forbid, that they run for their lives and break up with that situation, or they know that that's not okay, because just like we wouldn't want them to expect it from one of their loved ones, we can't be the one that does it first. Because remember, they have put us on that pedestal like we put our parents on the pedestal. They think we are God. 
They think we are the umbilical cord to life. So our approval and them being seen and them feeling worthy and them knowing that they matter comes from us first until they become an emotional adult and can learn all that we're learning, that we are separate from each other. We are two W-H-O-L-E human beings having a human experience. So that is our gift for us to give to them, is to treat them in the way that shows unconditional love. So then when they grow up and they have their young adult and adult relationships and they have children of their own, they can recreate that. And we have to remember that our children are looking to us first and they're asking the questions every single day. Am I seen? Am I worthy? Do I matter? Do I have a voice? Am I heard? And when the answer is yes, that's when you create a whole human being, W-H-O-L-E, and not a person filled with so many H-O-L-E-S that they're looking external for their validation, where they look to boys when they're in middle and high school, where they look to drugs, where they look to vaping, where they look to shopping, just to get those feelings away. But when they know that they're a W-H-O-L-E person, They don't have to look external to something to fill their holes, H-O-L-E-S. And the only way we can give that to them is that that we have it first. Just like when we're teaching them to read, we have to know how to read first. I can't teach my kids Spanish because I don't know Spanish. Same thing when we're teaching them emotional literacy. I have to learn it first. I have to manage my own emotions before I can teach them how to. So when these emotions come up that are challenging, I'm able to hold the space and be the calm in their storm and not flip out on them because they're triggering something in me that's old pain that has nothing to do with them. We cannot bring Samsonite luggage into our relationships with our spouse or with our kids because we will just re-injure ourselves over and over and over. And like that quote says, pain will travel through families until someone is brave enough to feel it. So all of those things that you felt when you were a child, that is completely normal, and it's part of the human experience. No one has the perfect childhood. The human experience is not to have a perfect childhood. It's always riddled with frustration and pain and anguish and happiness and joy and everything in between. That's part of life. So if there was someone who wasn't emotionally available to you, had nothing to do with you. It was that they weren't emotional available to themselves. So when you know this, you can go into your relationship and not recreate it with your own children or your own spouse. Because what the brain does and says, well, my dad wasn't there a lot. So I'm going to marry someone who's a workaholic or an alcoholic, or I'm going to marry someone who's emotionally unavailable to try to heal that old wound in current time. I couldn't get mom and dad's attention. So now I'm going to get someone who's really emotionally unavailable in my life to prove that part of my brain wrong. And we just re-injure ourselves over and over and over and recreate all that old patterning. And I love the quote, when you know better, you do better. Because when you know all of this, then you can investigate your own H-O-L-E-S and not try to heal your old H-O-L-E-S and put that emotional responsibility onto your children or your spouse because it's not their job. It's not their responsibility. They're too little 
to try to fill up our H-O-L-E-S. And spouses are incapable of it because you'll find that it's like a there's always a hole in the bucket and they can reassure and they can fill and they can fill. But a lot of times it's never going to be good enough because that's our job. And when we take that on as our job, then we give the gift to our children to do that as for their job. And then you have a lot of harmony in the home because you have a lot of W-H-O-L-E people in the home that are taking care of their own emotional needs and not using each other to get what they want and just using each other to love and show unconditional love because there's nothing better in this world than the feeling of unconditional love, giving it out because when you give it out, you get it back and also the expression of that love is where true freedom comes. I love you guys. I hope this helped. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.